Welcome to the Bellingham Bish Fest show with Tamara and Selena. Each month, we dive into a different aspect of the vegan lifestyle. And since we're not experts, we invite those who are to discuss the topics we find valuable, and we hope you do too. Uh, we've got Easter right around the corner, don't we, Selena? Yes. And uh, what do you think of when, uh, aside from chocolate, I'm always thinking of chocolate, but what do you think of when it comes to Easter, aside from chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> well, I... Every year it changes, and I think more and more I think of animals, you know, right. and how, how we use them. And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Right. So uh, yeah. we, have, we have a lovely guest. Selena, I'm going to have you introduce our guest today. Yeah, so this is a fun episode this month. We, we don't have just one guest. We have two. The second one will be join us, joining us soon. And our intention with this episode is more of a roundtable discussion, which is a little bit different than what we normally do. We usually interview, but we're going to interview a little bit, but also just have a roundtable discussion about Easter, but in particularly, more particular, the animals that are purchased for the purpose of Easter. And we'll get, we're, we're going to get into that. But today we invited Liz from Bonanza Rabbit Rescue Ranch and Adoption Center. Hi, Hello. Liz. How are you? I'm good. It's a sunny day here, which I didn't expect. So yay. It is sunny. And it's, it's, it's actually, I would say, even kind of warm. Kind yeah. Of warm. Yeah. So Liz, Tamara, I, we know Tamara, I mean, we know Liz because of Tamara. How did you two meet? Oh, how did we, we meet? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I think that we connected through the Pet Rabbits Washington State Facebook group. Does that sound right, Tamara? Oh, very possible. Very possible. But Jessica runs. Jessica. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, the, so yeah, as, as our listeners know, Tamara is heavily involved with rescue and has been for 10, 10 plus years. And so that's how we got to know Liz and we're excited that you're here. And so, yeah, we're just going to talk a little bit about you, your journey, and what got you started. So we always start by asking our guests their vegan story, and we would love for you to share your journey. Um, it's just a matter of years and years of gradual creeping unease about how animals are treated through their process of being manufactured, so to speak, and then turned into what you find at the supermarket. And as a compassionate person who cares about the world and as an animal lover, I, I started off reading more and more and becoming greatly concerned about factory farmed animals, which is tremendously alarming. And livestock auctions, which are essentially slave markets. It's just despicable. So along the way, I, I read the works of Joel Salatin. I don't know if you, are you familiar with No, him? no, please tell me he, more. He, he's a farmer who wrote his most famous book is called The Pigness of Pigs, which is about allowing animals to have their animal life and he is a meat eater but that that was my interim position because he wants animals to live their most natural life give them 
their best possible death, eat only what you can, what you need to survive, and thank them for their sacrifice. So that's where I was for a while. So I was, and then the kicker was just seeing a truck cram packed full of wild eyed screaming pigs on their way to slaughter terrified and it was just such a horrific image i could not get it out of my head and that that did it <laughs> that was my my moment when you know no matter what even if you're honoring the animal giving it a good life etc i can no longer be party to eating what I know to be intelligent, soulful beings. Wow, thank you for sharing that. So it sounds like it wasn't overnight, like most of us, right? It didn't just oh, happen. it took years. Yeah, years. And I am yeah. I also to right to assume that you were rescuing other animals long before, or not long before, but you were were you involved with animal rescue before starting your vegan journey or going? On your yes. Uh, unofficially, I have been helping rabbits, rabbits and cats, all animals, all my life. Basically, animals have always found me. And so all my life, critters show up. I take care of them. I find them a place to be. So it, it's all part and parcel, isn't it? Yes, yes. So you honor animals, honor animals. Yeah, absolutely. So what got you into, what made you start, a, actually make it official and start a rescue? Well, what happened was someone dumped a starving baby rabbit on my property. And I live kind of out with the cows and the corn. So I only have two neighbors. And I asked them, nobody was missing a rabbit. Uh, I later found out that it's pretty common where I am for animals to be dumped. Mm -hmm. And being the soft-hearted person I am, of course, I had to save this rabbit, take care of it, fall madly in love with it, and the natural extension, learn everything I possibly could about rabbits and immediately dive into the community for rabbits and their welfare. So that was Reuben, a Californian rabbit, which is a commonly raised breed for meat. Adorable. They're white with uh, black ears and a black nose like a Himalayan kitty. Oh. And shortly thereafter, my husband and I were coming home from a movie and saw a French Angora rabbit, a kind commonly commercially raised for both meat and their fur, Angora sweater. And it was running down the middle of a highway. Oh, my God. And I started to um, open my door and leap out without the car even being stopped, grab the rabbit. There were people around there, asked if anybody knew anything about it. Nope. Came home with me, and I was off to the races. Uh, joined the group where Tamara and I met. Through that group, I met other people who were trying to help rabbits, and unofficially, uh, the, a group of us locally have been trying to help rabbits for about five years, and not quite a year ago, we became an official 501c3 rabbit rescue. Congratulations, and thank you. Had you ever had a rabbit as a child? 
my daughter had rabbits when she was young. She's she's grown and gone now, but uh, so I'm empty nest, which I, I filled my empty nest bedroom up with my pet rabbits. I have three cats and four house rabbits, and yes, they have free range run of the house because they're litter trained just like the cats. So I have rabbits now and I'm very happy with them. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure they're very happy as well. (laughs) So there are so many different types of animal rescue, you know, micro sanctuaries, you know, like humane, then there's bigger things like humane societies. What, what does your rescue do? What, tell us a little bit about your rescue. Yeah, sure. First of all, we work hand in hand with our local humane society. We're excellent partners to each other. So they only have room for a few rabbits at a time. And the nature of the beast there that is, is that if they overflow, they have to start considering euthanasia. So they're delighted that we are here because when they overflow now, they call us and transfer rabbits to us. And we've been very successful in getting adoptions. We started last year, mid-March, and between then and the end of the year, we adopted out 114 rabbits, all spayed and neutered. We only do spayed and neutered. Uh, So this year we have adopted out 20, so we're doing well again. In addition to our adoption center where people can come and visit rabbits, learn more about them, we also have our rescue ranch, which is a sanctuary for rabbits who are not going to be adoptable for one reason or another. Typically, that's bunnies with chronic medical needs or those who've been so previously traumatized, they with good reason, never want anything to do with humans again. So they get to live their best rabbit lives, colony style, all spayed and neutered. They get to be in, out, climb, up, down, do whatever they want. And we also have a network of fosters who take rabbits on for us, young rabbits that need to be socialized or rabbits that need a little fine-tuning with their manners. Wow, I didn't realize that you had the sanctuary. That's awesome. And we are, of course, a no-kill shelter. So any rabbit who comes to us has a home forever, be it with us or with a carefully screened adoptive home. We also provide unlimited lifetime tech support for our rabbits. So if anybody has questions or problems ever, we'll help them. And if their circumstances change and they truly cannot keep their rabbits, we'll take them back. So um, I'd like to know more, like, you know, how can average Joe know the difference between a domestic rabbit and a wild rabbit? That is a really good question. First of all, wild rabbits, the ones that are, that are here in Washington State, are eastern cottontails. They're small. They're brown. They're wiry. They look lean and muscly. And they have that characteristic white cotton tail. If you see a rabbit that is any other color, it is 100% domestic. There are domestic animals who have similar brownish, agouti, variegated coloring. However, they don't look wild. (laughs) 
They're going to have uh, rounder features, typically be more chunky. Uh, we do have a rabbit right now who was surrendered to a wildlife rehabilitation center because someone thought he was a cottontail. But if you put a, even a small domestic rabbit next to a wild rabbit, you can see the differences between them. Basically, it's uh, wild rabbits are terrified of people and will never, ever come near you. It's just instinct. Right. And they are much, much leaner. Right. Okay, so there are people that say, oh, you know, these cute little loppy, but loppy, but loppy eared bunnies have been around for years, you know, they're wild now or something like that. These were, yeah. these are, these are domesticated bunnies that humans domesticated and what, somebody just thought that they'd be fine on their own and they just went along and kind yes. of did or what? There's a difference between wild, which is the cottontails, and only the cottontails. There are colonies of rabbits in Washington State that have been started by people who have dumped their domestic rabbits. Those are feral rabbits. So they are genetically domestic rabbits, and there are significant differences between the domestic rabbits and the wild ones. Uh -huh. They're not actually equipped live in the wild. People may have been seeing them for years, but that is because rabbits breed like rabbits. rabbits. <laughs> Their individual lives are nasty, brutish, and short. It is very, very common for them to live only a few months as opposed to a well-cared-for house rabbit who could potentially make it to 14, about as long as a cat. Wow. So, Feral rabbits are subject to predation, of course, from eagles, hawks, owls, coyotes, foxes, dogs, cats, raccoons, many threats. In addition, they are almost always infected with a variety of truly horrifying parasites and disgusting bacterial infections. It's a terrible, terrible way to live, terrible way to die. That's great. That's good to know because we do have quite a few populations in Whatcom County of dumped domestic bunnies, and it's not—they are not easy to catch, especially if they have found a good spot to to. I mean, thrive as much as you can, but you know, good hiding spots, stuff like that. So it's—you got any tricks up your sleeve for catching bunnies? If somebody wants to rescue. I, I wish I did. The, in your, well, actually near your neighborhood, Tamara, we've been trying to catch a couple of rabbits there for quite a while, but the, the terrain in your neighborhood is actually pretty conducive to hiding places, as you yeah. mentioned. So Are you thinking of off-chuck nut? Off-chuck nut, you're thinking? Yeah, I yeah. remember. So you can put out live traps, but the best way is to have a rabbit rescue party with a number of people, uh, four to six people with nets and X-pens to surround the rabbits and bring them in. Once in a while, a, a rabbit will allow itself to be caught. We have one now who was part of a uh, feral colony off Smith and, and Northwest Roads, which I didn't even know was there. 
came to people seeking help because something tried to peel its face off from above an eye down below its chin, tore up its ear, oh and, it was only, and it was young, only about three months old at most. So this rabbit was brought here to our rescue center, of course, on a Saturday night when all the vets are closed. Uh, amazingly, it made it. I, I gave it some pain relievers until we could get it to the vet, and uh, he's, he's going to get to keep his eye. We named him Lucky because he's going to get to keep his eye, his face after a visit to the vet has been repaired. He probably won't need any further reconstructive surgery. He's becoming tamer, and when he gets neutered, they'll tidy up his ear, and at most, he'll wind up looking a little bit like a pirate. But as I say, he's a very lucky rabbit. Right. So Jenny has joined us as well. Jenny, we actually interviewed Jenny and Greta from Rooster House Rescue a year ago to talk about chicks and bunnies and and roosters and and just all of those animals that she rescues there at the house also in regards to Easter and all that and you can hear some of mine in the background so <laughs> yeah we uh, should mention that I think that's a good idea welcome Jenny okay. thanks for being here um, um, yeah it was about a year ago we um we interviewed and talked with Jenny and Greta from Rooster House and we talked really all about chickens and roosters and eggs in the industry and spend an, an entire hour about on that. And today we're, we're going to be a little bit more focused on like specifically Easter and the animals that, that people purchase for Easter. And I, but really quick, I want to mention, you might hear some roosters. Tamara has opened her home to two beautiful roosters that were dumped. <laughs> so she has them there. And so you might hear them crow. They're just giving them their, our two, their two cents, right? <laughs> they don't like being ignored. So when yeah. they know I'm not paying attention, same with my parrot here. So. But I think it's nice. It's a good reminder, like, that, you know, that they have a voice as well. And yeah. they, and they can live in a house with seven dogs and who aren't making any noise, surprisingly, right now. But, um. <laughs> exactly. So... As mentioned before, there's a plethora of ways that um, animals are used for Easter. You know, we dye eggs and hide them. Um, pe you know, people choose to eat them for dinner. Um, chocolate, you know, dairy, most dairy, most, you know, Easter, I think, is like the biggest chocolate holiday. I mean, retail sales for um, chocolate are like the highest of any holiday. Which is crazy, there's more so than Valentine's Day, more so than Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So that, you know, there's issues with that, with the dairy and then, you know, all that. So, and that would take days for us to, <laughs> to talk about. So we're just going to focus today on animals that are, I, I hate to say it, but purchased live for the holiday and what that means for the animals and for the local rescues that ultimately end up the lucky ones, I guess I should say, rescuing. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I wrote down chicks, bunnies, and ducks. Are there any other animals that I'm that I'm not thinking about? I think those yeah, are the main ones. The main ones, the main ones, yeah. So, Lambs. Lambs. Lambs are Easter. Yeah, that's true. And we just got a bunch rescued in. So parents actually buy them for their children, you think? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, we, that is, 
very sad. <laughs> um, this is all very sad. For, I think for today, we'll focus, you know, just talking about not, you know, just talking about bunnies, ducks, and chicks. And so we've already talked a lot, quite a bit about bunnies and, you know, the rescue process and what happens with Liz, you know, with the, when Liz steps in. Let's, let's back up. So people buy bunnies for, I've heard of like a basket bunny, right? So that's like a gift for yep. their children. Yes. First and of all, about that, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, bunnies are a terrible pet for children. They're sometimes thought of as a good first pet because they tend to be small, but they require some specialized care. They're not harder than a dog or cat. They're just different. And people don't tend to do their research or have appropriate expectations. For one thing, rabbits are relatively fragile and young children may drop a rabbit and its spine can be broken and it can be paralyzed or even killed by that. Also, young children tend not to be gentle or respectful as they should be and a rabbit can bite if it is if it is frightened if it's not been well socialized and it's frightened uh, it, we have a rabbit right now who was surrendered because she was quote a vicious biting freak she'd been a four-year-old who pulled her ears she's fine with us so rabbits and small children are just not a good mix even assuming they've been given as a present to an older child People don't know what they're getting into. Rabbits become hormonal. You know, there, there's a reason they talk about breeding like rabbits. They become hormonal at a young age. They potentially can breed as young as 12 weeks, and they turn into basically nasty, annoying middle schoolers at that point. All they think about is, mm-hmm. And people are not prepared for that. If they don't have an outlet for their hormonal tendencies, they can become destructive in a house. They can become somewhat aggressive. They can destroy things. They can spray. So the answer there is, of course, spay and neuter. That removes the hormones and removes that issue. And they're back to being as charming as, as ever they were. What typically happens, though, is because people are utterly ill-prepared for a rabbit, they have them for a couple of months, decide that it's too hard, or the rabbit isn't nice anymore, or it has mysteriously turned into a completely different animal than what they were expecting and they dump them. Every year, about two months after Easter, shelters are overrun with rabbits who never should have been purchased in the first place. Um, now, now, do they do they sometimes withhold vet care? Like, like you know, people take their cats and dogs to the vet, mm -hmm. but I, I think that, you know, chickens and bunnies and other animals that aren't the most popular pets they kind of get neglected when it comes to vet care don't would you agree plus the fact that they're Absolutely. exotic so yes it's quite a bit more spendy than than a normal vet check like my parrot an x-ray for my parrot who is the size of my beagle's ear it was two hundred dollars <laughs> for an x-ray of a bird so there these exotic vet prices are Pretty, you know, unexpected to someone who may not be familiar. 
The primary expense for a, a rabbit would be the spaying and neutering, which is considerably more expensive than that for cats or dogs because they are considered exotics and there's additional schooling required for veterinarians to be able to work with them. However, after that, with appropriate care, <laughs> and that is in all caps, rabbits can live the rest of their life without ever needing to go to the vet again. However, Things can still happen, and yes, people tend to dump rabbits if they get into any kind of difficulty, uh, such as if they're not fed an appropriate diet, they can go into stasis, which basically means their guts are seizing up and they can die. If they get a cut, they are somewhat prone to abscesses, as cats can be also, and rather than getting them treated, people tend to dump them. Or if they're lucky, they bring them to us and we take on the hundreds or even thousands of dollars of expense to bring these animals back to health and make them be good pets. So Jenny, tell us where where do people get these chicks when, when they buy chicks for Easter? Where do they come from? They come from feed stores. <laughs> And most feed stores will run a program during, uh, right before Easter called Chick Days. It's very popular. It, they have all sorts of different kinds of breeds. Oftentimes there are chicks that aren't even sexed. So people will, you know, buy a dozen chicks and half of them will end up being roosters. Or if they are sexed, one out of 10, um, chicks end up being roosters anyway, even, even if they're supposed to be hens. So, we end up with this huge rooster overpopulation problem on top of all the other issues that, you know, that Liz mentioned as well. Yeah, but most of the time it's at uh, feed stores. Okay. So so why do most people think that they're going to get all hens? Because they they are sexed. When they're chicks, they're sexed if they came from, if they were actually sexed. But there is always, it's not a 100% chance that they're, they're going to be 100%, you know, Right. Yeah, it's 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 a 10% chance that they'll end up being roosters, even even if they are sexed. Right. Sex before so, they get to the feed store, because when you look at them, you can't look with the naked eye like you can't tell that this right. is, yes, a male or a female. Yeah, there's, only a very, there's a very short window in the first few days of their life that you can sort of tell. They look at their wings, like they count the amount of wings or uh, feathers they have on the wings, but it's not accurate, like we said. Right. Wow. Right. And so the boys are uh, destroyed. Right. If they, if they are sexing that day with that particular breed, they don't, obviously, boys are a byproduct, and so they just get tossed into either a grinder and are ground up alive or into a, a bag and then um, suffocated. Yeah, so they are killed. So like bunnies, like Liz was talking about, do, do, do chickens generally get withheld vet care as well? Like they, they aren't really thought of as, you know, similar as pets and, and, you know, people just kind of do like, a, you know, look homeopathic remedies and, and try to avoid vet care. Yeah, all the time. It's, it's really sad. We see it all the time in a lot of like the backyard chicken and poultry forums where people will be asking questions and everyone's trying to get advice from everyone. And, you know, and, you know, most people are suggesting some sort of like homeopathic type of thing that, that 
doesn't really work. And yeah, it is really sad. Most of most chickens don't get to feed the vet like they should, like they deserve. Yeah. So, so Liz has said that a domestic bunny that's, that's well kept in a home, spayed and neutered, you know, fed nutritional food could live up to 14 years. And what is the lifespan of a healthy, well taken care of chicken? Yeah, it's actually right around the same age. The most chickens, if, if taken good care of and gotten good uh, veterinary care and um, um, and diet, uh, they can live well up into their teens. Wow. That's great. Awesome. So I think so, that yeah. the, big, the biggest difference, though, is like, so you have, so these people are going out and they're buying chicks for their kids is that is that something that people buy chicks for their kids to play with is that part of it jenny or is it mostly people buy chicks for eggs during springtime i think it's a it's both but kids definitely get little chicks for gifts just like baby rabbits because they're cute and and ducklings as well and a lot of people just buy them as impulse buys because they're adorable and and then they don't realize how much care they need. And oftentimes they get to a point where the the care that they need is too much for them to to commit to. And they're oftentimes dumped or, you know, given to a farm, somebody who's going to eat them or, you know, or just free range them. And, and of course, predators end up getting them. The other thing about chicks is they can't regulate their body temperature. So they oftentimes will die really young when they're bought. Because most, a lot of people don't realize that they need a heat source to keep them warm for, you know, for quite a few weeks beforehand. So, wow. Yeah. So if the chick is that actually makes it through that, then like, you know, they get the heat that they need. Uh, I would imagine that, you know, people would more, more likely be willing to keep a hen because they're, they're, they give them something, they give them eggs. Right. And so, what about the roosters? And that's, I think that's what this conversation is really about are these animals that are dumped, right? So bunnies and then roosters. Why would someone dump a rooster? The majority of the people who do is, well, there's two, usually two main reasons. One of them is people aren't zoned for roosters. The majority of people are not zoned for roosters. Anyone who lives in city limits um, and even some counties, if you live in an HOA or something, you know, most of the time they have zoning rules regulations. The other one is if they end up with too many roosters or they just don't want them because they view them as a byproduct. They aren't giving them what they want. They don't, they don't produce eggs. They, they don't, you know, lay eggs. So a lot of people see, view them as, um, as a byproduct. There's a lag. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about, I just, you know what I was thinking about as Jenny was talking is how there used to be like kind of a season uh, like for dumped animals. Like I hate to say this, but it just seems like since COVID happened, it just like never ends. Like I've been following rooster house for a long time now. And this last year, like it hasn't stopped. (laughs) Can you speak to that at all, Jenny, about why that is happening? Yeah, it's certainly been the worst year we've seen. I think a lot of, I think with COVID, you know, a lot of people have been either laid off work or working from home. And so they're, you know, picking up a hobby. They're wanting to do something and, 
I think, you know, the homesteading idea is, uh, is very popular, you know, not wanting to go to the store and people think that they can, you know, get, why not just have eggs from our backyard instead of going to the store to get them. So I, more and more people are purchasing them. And then on top of that, um, it's so much easier now to purchase chicks. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so much easier now to purchase chicks online than it ever has been, partly due to COVID as well. So there are websites where you can just type in what kind of breed you want and they'll send you, you know, X amount of baby chicks in, through the mail. Oh my um, God. Are you serious? That's, yeah. I mean, this has been, that's, that they've been doing this for decades, but it's oh been really gosh. popular. Yeah. Well, there's something just recently, the postal service, isn't this some, something just happened? The, the United States postal service cut off live chick shipping just like in the past week or so i read something about it which has led to massive culling of chicks because all of these all of these farms that breed them to ship them they can't ship them right now and i don't know why the usps i I assume it's the united states postal service and i don't think it was the ups or fedex but there was one of those branches they said we're not shit. Li- we're not live shipping chicks this spring. Mm. Do you know anything about that, Jenny? I don't. I'd really be interested in in reading that. I, to my knowledge, the only um, outlet that that uh, does ship is the United States Postal Service. Okay. So that would be really interesting and really okay. huge. That's right. huge. If that's the case. Right. I'm really curious whether it had to has to do with the animal welfare side of it or if it actually had to do with more health reasons i think yeah i don't think it had anything to do with animal welfare but i'm i'm trying to remember what it was about and and i just remember people being all oh my gosh it was oh what was it the chicken whisk it was posted on the chicken whisperer facebook page which i joined because i thought i would like it but it's I, I don't like it <laughs> I, I yeah I, i'm not crazy because it talks a lot about how how you can use your chicken. I ended up unfollowing, but I, I remember reading that before I did that. So oh, I, I thought it would be more, more of an advocacy page, but it was not. Liz, have you noticed, well, have you seen, oh, sorry, Jenny, go ahead. No, you're fine. I, I was just going to mention one thing though. If that's true, first off, that's, that would be amazing if that is, but also I, I meant to bring this up in packing, in shipping the chicks. One thing that they do is because, because there's always a chance, a very large chance, actually, that the ch- that some chicks will die in transport. You know, I mean, they're babies. They need heat. Um, they need food and water. And they need their moms, you know, something that they're never, ever going to have in their entire life. Um, but one thing that they do is uh, because there is a very large chance that some of the their order you know their chick order will die um they end up packing um uh baby roosters like males in there just as around the edges as like um padding in the box to protect the hen chicks inside so they're used as like they're they're used just for padding knowing that they're likely going to be the ones that will probably die. Oh my so, God. And then also if they do and die that they'll have 
they'll, that they, they, you know, if they ordered 10, they'll maybe put 14 in there. So if four die, they, they still have those 10. Oh my gosh. It's quite sad. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Liz, have you noticed uh, an increase in bunny purchasing during COVID as well or? Well, we've only been officially with you for, for not quite a year. So it's hard to say on trends like that. Okay. However, unofficially, we've been helping rabbits for more than five years. And there's typically, a, as you mentioned before, a dump season, which is a couple of months after Easter. However, just in the past couple of months, it seems to have really picked up. I've learned of a couple new colonies that weren't there before. I'm getting constant calls about surrenders way more than we can possibly handle. So I suspect it's people who've taken on pets as entertainment while they were at home for the pandemic. And now as things are starting to loosen up, they're deciding, nah. And right. surrendering them if they're lucky, dumping them if they're not. Right. Liz went into a fair amount of detail about what it's like for a bunny that's dumped. Um, and it's, you know, it was very difficult to hear. Jenny, do you mind sharing a little bit about what it means for a rooster to be dumped? I think that I know that a lot of people think that chickens are wild they can be wild and they can provide for themselves and fend for themselves and we i would love for you to talk a little bit about that yeah i think i came in kind of at the little end of what uh, she was saying it was really good information just like chicken or just like rabbits um chickens are domestic animals they cannot survive in the wild on their own They've been selectively bred to be larger than their an- than their wild ancestors that are unfortunately extinct. So they can't fly. You know, they can't uh, get away from predators. They can jump, but they can't do any kind of like actual flying that would get you know keep them away from predators. They're uh, they also cannot fend for themselves as far as food goes. They are reliant on humans to feed them. They can try to find stuff, but there's just not enough food in the wild for them. They won't survive on, you know, bugs and and uh, that type of stuff for very long. They're also not, they're not also not as quote unquote hardy as people oftentimes will describe them as. They can easily get frostbite. Uh, we we find, oh gosh, we, we've rescued so many roosters with frostbite, with, with signs of frostbite, with, you know, currently dealing with frostbite or with combs that are half partly missing that it's obvious that in the last like few years, you know, they, they had lost part of their comb due to frostbite. So yeah, and chickens cannot live in the wild. They cannot fend for themselves. And usually it's predatory. It's yeah. how they're they end up their demise you know if they have been dumped would you agree yeah. that yeah it, it depends on the area obviously you know if they're dumped in city parks you know it's there it's going to be cars and right. you know and food but yeah most of them that we've uh, we've that we get notified about are dumped uh, at trailheads or in you know in the woods somewhere so yeah definitely predators are their number one the way that they die yeah for sure and if they make it, let's say that they make, they live, you know, and they are able, they, someone is able to rescue them. They, they have frostbite, mites are a thing. Um, there's so many, I follow your page and I hear all these 
of all these horrible health issues that they're dealing with. And then, then you ha- you know, then you are taking care of them and treating them for these things and it takes time and resources. So. But also yeah. trying to find them a home. Like, yes, they were dumped, you know, because they can't be used. You know, how difficult is it to find a home for a rooster? It's at this point pretty near to impossible right now. We're currently trying to find homes for like 35 roosters that aren't even in our care that are, we're trying to help shelters that are high kill shelters, trying to place them, trying helping people that, you know, started the backyard chicken thing, not really knowing, not having no idea, you know, what they were getting into ending up with a rooster that one out of 10. And, you know, a lot of people just have no idea that that is the case. And so, yeah, there are a lot of, a lot of roosters that are in need of homes. And unfortunately, you know, just trying to find a home for them, a good home for them is very hard. Uh, people who do try to rehome them, oftentimes the people who will take them are people who, who unfortunately have, you know, are not going to be kind to them. They're going to either eat them. Or they'll use them as uh, as as bait for cockfighting. They're used in so many different ways. It's really unfortunate. Or they, you know, don't have proper predator proofing. They are free range and and picked off by you know owls or whatever coming by. But yeah. Liz, I have been following your page, and I am shocked at how many adoptions you have. Like weekly, I'm like, you see, it adopted, adopted. Like I I had no idea how popular. I don't know. I, I guess before I met you, I did not realize how many people adopted bunnies. Like it's 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 pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome how successful you've been with rehoming just in this past year these bunnies, and and it just shocks me like how well you've done with that. Do you have a trick? Well, <laughs> promote the heck out of them. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's really. I, I have found. There are a significant number of people who actually have been wanting pet rabbits who, who do know what they're doing, but they're, they're looking for where can I get a good rabbit? A, a good pet rabbit would be one that's spayed and neutered and well socialized. So I have heard from a lot of people who are like, Oh my goodness, I, I'm so happy to have found you. And. Then I'm back to promote the heck out of them, which as you've seen, I, I do. I, we, and we've just been very, very fortunate, I think. Awesome. So if we could tell our listeners on the Bellingham Veg Fest show, one thing about adopting chicks and bunnies, what would we want to say? <laughs> do your research. Right. Do your research. As I said before, rabbits are no harder than dogs or cats. They're just different. As long as people know what to expect, they will have a wonderful lifelong companion who is rewarding in ways they can't even yet imagine. I would, I would say the same about the roosters because I'm kind of a first-time mom for, for these roosters. It's been just over a year since I took my first one. And I was shocked. I was shocked at how easy they are. Like, easier than dogs, really. And I've been in rescue, dog rescue for like 12 years. 
So when I first got, I told Jenny when I first got my first boy, Bobby Rue, who was a Cornish cross, and he was almost 20 pounds when I got him, which is morbidly obese, morbidly obese. And so he was on a diet and all this stuff. But I was just, I told her, I'm, I am shocked at how easy it is to take care of this guy. So what would you like people to know about adopting uh, roosters and chickens, Jenny? Yeah, definitely do your research, but know that no animal should ever be given as a gift <laughs> ever. Good. But as far as adoption, yeah, I mean, definitely do your research. Chickens and, and ducks, birds in general, they are, they are a lot of more work than most people think that they are. You know, you have to protect them. They do need vet care. Some of them need certain kinds of feed. You know, roosters can't and shouldn't be eating, you know, layer feed. It can, you know, create so many issues. So there's, there's a lot of things to know before adopting. Yeah. And also one thing that I think I'm just going to throw out is roosters can get along together. Roosters can live together. So please, if you are considering adoption, please, please think about adopting a rooster flock. They are very much in need. So we're going to share some links of Rooster House Rescue, your website and social media. And same with the Bonanza rescue as well we're i mean you guys are just an abundance of information every every day there's a post of something that can totally help teach our community about the animals that you guys have dedicated your lives to yes and if i could you know when doing anytime we bring a rescue on or sanctuary on i i'm always scared that then that means that people will contact them <laughs> about surrendering surrendering their animals and that is not the purpose of this show. The no. purpose of this show is to, you know, please, please, please think of other gifts that you can buy, get, you know, that you can buy your children. Like Jenny said, animals are not gifts. They are precious beings. And so they're, I mean, they're stuffed animals. Hey, sponsor, sponsor a bunny or sponsor a chicken at a sanctuary. Make a donation in your child's name and take that as an opportunity to learn about them. I think that that, I mean, that's the whole point, you know, of this. And um, please, just please, I'm begging. <laughs> um, or schedule a tour. Schedule a tour of a sanctuary. Learn Absolutely. more about them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Volunteer at a sanctuary. There are so many other ways to, sh to, to support animals and buying them is, is, let's just take that off the table. Right. And we're going to add links to Bonanza and uh, to Rooster House. And if, you know, you, um, you can support them and just please don't buy them <laughs> by animals. <laughs> Sorry. Liz, you have a comment? Yes. We, welcome kids whenever we'll talk about oh i want to get a, a rabbit for my five-year-old we i have a frank but gentle conversation and i invite people to come out and visit the rabbits we do a lot of education and oftentimes just the opportunity to interact with the ones who are super social will hit that rabbit need that, that the kid has and on the other hand we've had parent and kid combos who have become long-term volunteers with us 
And we do education every time that they're here so that when they're old enough and when they're ready, they are truly ready to adopt a rabbit to a good home. That's beautiful. That's, That's awesome. Well, well, thank you so much, you two, for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I love it. That's perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much, Liz and Jenny. I know how busy you are. I know, I know how busy you are. Thank you so much for taking the time to help educate our listeners. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Bye everyone. Thank you for listening to this month's episode of the Bellingham Veg Fest show. If there are topics that you'd love to hear more about, please reach out. You can find us at BellinghamVegFest.org and be sure to follow Bellingham VegFest on Instagram and Facebook.